Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. That's right. Get ready for, to take a ride with the crew. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Jack Pesea, Moshe Glubchik, Gideon Fox out tonight. He's at the Devils game, got some free tickets, so hoping he has a good time over at the Prudential Center. Yes, sir. I think get some friends that like just, have, just I just think get some friends that have tickets just like on deck. Like yeah, like oh yeah, do, absolutely. And then like Gideon does like geez. no, you gotta you gotta have those relationships. That's <laughs> oh, well, very for that Yankee is that what you're talking about? The Yankee game I went Actually, to? Actually, no, not you. My, I paid my for those. Friend, my other friend in my internship has got free. Yankee oh yeah, you tickets. told me. Yeah, like, you told me about it. Was it. A pretty nice. game too. Wow. Yeah, you wow. told me about that guy. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Shout shout out Joe if you're watching this. Shout show, out if Joe. You're listening right now. I, uh, shout out. <laughs> I don't know if we paid for him, but a couple years back, my dad got a call asking if my dad, if he and I wanted to go to a random Jets Bills game mm. years ago. But at MetLife, I assume. Uh, no, this is so long ago. It was a Giant Stadium. Giant Stadium. Wow. This okay. was going back. Well, that's a geez, long time almost, ago. That is a long time ago. It's got to be 14 years, probably. Well, I know MetLife was uh, like around 2000. Uh, Eleven ish, right? So, so this was roughly two thousand nine. Yeah, so that, that makes that makes some sense. But we will get to the New York Football Giants. We will get to the New York Jets. They're the hottest teams in football, and New York eleven and three this year, excluding the Bills, of course. Uh, at, at just overall records this year. But let's start with the the hometown team of football in New Jersey. Uh, the only one we have in New Jersey, other than, I, I guess if you want to count East Rutherford, but Rutgers football, back in the win column for the first time since Temple, hey, hey, hey. back in September. It's a great feeling. 24-17 was the final over the Indiana Hoosiers. Our dominance over that poverty school continues. The Ron Harper <laughs> Jr. Hoosiers, baby. Yes, it's true. Football, basketball, you name it, will yeah. win. Does not matter. So again, 24-17, the final score from this past Saturday. Indiana Jumped out to a 14-0 lead in this game. In the first quarter, they returned the opening kickoff to the house. So it was 7-0 with 10 seconds taken off the clock. And from there, we all thought, wow, Rutgers really going to struggle with Indiana today. Well, they buckled it up, and in the second half, they outscored Indiana 17-3 to secure the win. Yeah, and now they're they're back at 4-3. and three. They're back over 500 again, which is, uh, is a good place to be. And... Uh, Put some, put some in contention for a bowl game. I know we got some tough uh, Big Ten games coming up, but uh, this could be uh, this could get interesting, DA. Yeah, and uh, this upcoming Saturday, two thirty against Minnesota on the road. That will be a tough game. We'll talk about that game in just a couple <laughs> of moments. Uh, we also have a Greg Schiano press conference from earlier today uh, that we will also play in just a moment. But let's focus on this Rutgers Indiana game again, twenty four seventeen, the final. The difference of this game for Rutgers, late in the game, the defense really, really stepped up. I, I, I mean, 14 of the 17 points, again, scored in just the first quarter. Uh, in, in the second and third, Indiana held scoreless, and in the fourth quarter, just a field goal. So, again, this Rutgers defense delivering for this team, and it's really been one of the few bright spots this entire year, even through the three-game losing streak to Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. The defense has been the only group, I would say, that has showed up uh, game in and game out, just consistently throughout the season. Yeah. Um, so, again, another outstanding performance, only 17 points. And really, you take away that opening kickoff touchdown 
you know, return which, to the house, which is on the special teams which unit. Which is on the special teams. Right. It's only on 10 defense. points against Indiana, you know, given up against Indiana. Um, so a, which is a, a pretty really respectable. Good, I mean, listen, you give up 10 points to any team, no matter you who be, you're playing, you should win, and that's a good day. Absolutely. Um, Defense have been awesome this year. They've, they, they've been awesome. They've been consistent. Uh, Braswell, I believe, had the, the pick six on Saturday as well. Uh, late in that game, so that's a that was a big play for for Rutgers as well. Again, so so basically the defense allowed three net points is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean technically you're right. They got seven back, um, and then only gave up the field goal late in the fourth, which I guess technically gave Indiana some life or at least a chance to to still tie the game. Uh, but again, unsuccessful on the onside kick at the end of the game. But this Rutgers offense, we'll focus. We'll get back to the defense in just a moment because. Again, they've been consistent all year. Let's talk about the offense. This is the first game this year where Noah Vedral has played a full game. Again, we saw him two weeks ago before the bye week against Nebraska. He came out for the first couple of drives, um, was able to get, I think, all 13 points for Rutgers in that game in one half of play. And then in the second half, they're pu- he's pulled from the game. Evan Simon plays the remainder of the game, throws three interceptions, and we lose the football game 14-3, to give up 14 unanswered to the Cornhuskers. And fans were left wondering why Vedral was taken out of the game. After being up 13 to nothing in the first half, Greg Schiano answered that question after the game, said, well, because Vedral, he, he couldn't last a full game, still recovering from the injury. He was saying how that his hand couldn't grip the football uh, the way that he wanted to, so he couldn't make the throws that he wanted to. So they put in Simon, who was the healthiest quarterback on the roster, and ended up losing the game. In this game, this past Saturday, Vedral played a full 60 minutes, 12-24, so 50% completion, not that great. 113 yards, a touchdown, and no interception. So if you're a— It's respectable. It, it's, it's below average. But if you're a, if you're just a casual fan looking from the outside and you go, oh, Rutgers got to win, let's look at the box score, and you go, oh, the quarterback's not too good, and then you look at the rushing attack from Rutgers, you go, oh, that's why they won. But the thing that stands out to me as another big reason why we won this game, Noah Vedral played turnover-free football. Thank you. And, that, and that's Thank the big you. thing. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was going. That's and, what I was going to say. I mean, <clears throat> you could talk about you can talk about 113 yards, 50 percent completion percentage, only one touchdown, long of 28 yards in the air. Like, talk all you want about it. Right. Zero turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. At this point of the 2020 in the year 2022 for Rutgers football, turnover-free football is winning football. I. And you, pull, I'm sorry, Mo. I pulled yeah, yeah. up the uh, schedule so far this year and the turnover log. Um, and our three wins this year, Boston College, we had one turnover. That was a Gavin Wimsat pick. That's kind of an outlier. Wagner, I'm not counting. Temple, zero turnovers. We won that game by two points. Huge. And in Iowa, three turnovers. We know the story of the Iowa game. That was right. ab- that was absolutely ridiculous how we shot ourselves turn- in the foot. Brutal. Yes. Brutal. Turnovers, it was the Evan Simon pick six and the Josh Youngblood fumble to name two that absolutely killed us in that game. Ohio State, I mean, we we're going to lose anyway, but two Two turnovers, that's huge. And then Nebraska in that one point loss, three. Three picks yeah. from Evan three. Simon. Three picks and, from Simon. And I think I think two of them were on our own side of the field as well. So I mean and then, you, you literally gave Nebraska short short field Saturday. Guarantee him points. But you yeah. also you have to Saturday, remember nothing. you have to remember Vedral wasn't playing or even practicing very much the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, I am sure he wasn't. He was injured in, in summer camp and didn't see the field or didn't even dress for a game until that Iowa game. So, you know, given that, you know, 115 yards on and 50% passing, it's, again, like you said, Dylan, it's not great. But, you know, 
how much more can you expect from a guy who didn't do anything, you know, mean anything meaningful for the first couple months of of the season, including practices. Right, and and I caught a little bit of Nightline, our post game show after the game, and a couple of callers voiced their opinions who. You know, weren't too thrilled with the Vedral effort. And listen, I get it. You look at the stat line and you say, well, it's not that great of a game from a quarterback. But I I think what some fans fail to recognize is that Noah Vedral is a game manager. He will not go out and win you games throwing 300 yards and four touchdowns. Like, but he got the job done. Like a C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Not that's, not how guys, he, that's not what he's going to do. Not a lot of guys in the Big Ten that can dare like that. Right. But, let's, but, but there let's, are a lot of guys like Spencer Peters for Iowa who will lose you games. And Noah Vedral, I think... We took him for granted, I'll say that, because when he was hurt, we were all excited for for Wimsat and Evan Simon, right? And specifically Wimsat, right? And and we, we still haven't seen enough of him to get a, a sense of his game. I mean, you get Evan Simon and you're hearing all these things about how he's a better passer of the football, he's a more accurate guy, maybe he could throw the ball farther than Vedral, but the guy throws interceptions, and he's not good. And you look at Vedral, yeah, does, it, does he limit your play calls? Yeah, he can't throw the ball more than 30 yards. You know, w- with some power, but you, does he throw the ball to the other but, team? No. You know how you know Shiano said after he fired Gleason that he thought this team could win football games, yeah. and he believes that in his heart. Well, as you may know, actions speak louder than words, and his actions of starting Noah Vedral definitely show that he actually means what he said. Because right. Gavin Wims, that's the future pick. I mean, in my humble opinion, I think he still should be playing. But if you want to win right now, get Noah Vedral's your right. guy to go out and win football games. And you know, that's Shiano's definitely putting, you know, but definitely putting, uh, definitely putting, you know, the word to his mouth. But at the same time, compare Vedral to uh, to Connor Bazalak, the quarterback for Indiana, who, and I'll remind you, the Indiana offense only scored ten points, and their one touchdown on the offense was a rushing touchdown. Connor Bazalak still 23 for 41. Not not great, not anything special. Passed for 210 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. So, productively, he didn't do a whole lot, but he passed for almost twice as many yards as Vedral did. Well, Indiana throws the ball a lot every game. And I well, called, yeah, I, I mean, called, they had 62 rushing yards throughout the game. Rutgers well, had 192. Well, I mean, you're right, yes. But I, I, did the, I did some prep for this game. You know, I called the game. They averaged 48 attempts in the air a game this whole year, and I think he threw 41 times yeah. on Saturday. So he threw be- he threw below his mark. 41 attempts for 210 yards. Sorry, 42 attempts is below his mark. That's below his average Jeez. mark. Yeah, he throws. He throws. We'll, we'll round it up. He throws about 50 times a game this year, um, and, and so. You know, if you look at the box score and you go, well, Rutgers gave up 210. I mean, 210 yards through the air on 41 attempts is pretty good defense, if you ask me. Another big thing. Really good. I'm looking at the box score now. It said Basilak threw 41 times. They ran 19 times. I think that was what it was. But time of possession was huge for Rutgers. 38, basically 39 minutes for Rutgers. Oh, yeah. 21 minutes for uh, Indiana. And, And I noticed that throughout the game just because, and that's what happens when Rutgers can run the football. You know, Sam Brown, another guy that you can you can highlight in this game, true freshman from Philly, twenty eight carries, just over a hundred yards and a touchdown. And just I mean, keep the clock. Moving. The guy was awesome, and and yeah, he keeps the legs churning. And unlike we what we've seen from Manungai and Salam, it, it it appears to me at least, whenever Sam Brown makes his first point of contact with the defense, he's able to shed off that first tackle and extend it to another three, four, or five yards. While Manungai and Salam tend to maybe not do that as well. Um, and I, I think that's why Shiano has leaned on his freshman running back. I, I guess you could say this early in his Rutgers career, 
with some pretty good running backs still on the team because of that ability to just shed tackles and be able to turn those into yards after contact. I, I think that's an unbelievable trait for Sam Brown to have, and especially it helps out your offensive line up front too. You know, if they can't block for you as long as you'd like and the, the hole that they create can't last as long, um, you know, having the ability, again, to shed the, shed the tackle, make a, make a guy miss, run around him, bounce outside, all the things that Sam Brown does, um, it really helps this offensive line out a lot. Um, so, again, Sam Brown, awesome, awesome stuff from him. Uh, I, I would imagine he will be the starting running back from here on out. If you, if you haven't believed it yet, I think it's true because since the Temple game, he's been getting the majority of the carries for this team, uh, and that's all the way back since September 17th. So that's four games since then he's been getting – he's been leading the team in attempts. Yeah, so I think he's your starting Cristiano guy. a lot of credit for that, for finding the right running back. I mean – you had a whole bunch of guys carrying the ball on the ground yesterday, but uh, like you said, Sam Brown had the most production, and you know, good on Coach Ciano for realizing that. You know, he got more carries than and Salam and Manan got combined. Yeah, and one other thing I'll talk about with this offense too. Let's talk about Nunzio Campanelli's play calling. You know, the new offensive coordinator for Rutgers, the interim offensive coordinator at least for this year. Sean Gleason was fired after the Nebraska game. Uh, and, and this is kind of, as Shiano put it, his, um, whatchamacallit, like his six-week interview or so. And I, I would say so far, I am imp- not impressed, but I like what I see. Because it almost feels like, as a fan, it's almost like, well, yeah, this is what we should have been doing this whole time. Give the ball to Sam Brown 30 times, and we'll win football games. You know, Vedral, put him out there. He won't turn the ball over, so keep everything kind of short yardage and a couple of deep plays here and there. I really liked what they did with the jet sweep with Crookshank. Uh, he only he ran the ball five times for 64 yards, had a long of 42. So, I mean, the jet sweep with Crookshank was working, uh, and Sam Brown as well. So I liked what I saw offensively uh, in terms of play calling in this game. I don't, there weren't, to me at least, there weren't many head-scratcher plays that I saw, and I'm like, why are we doing this? Or why are we running the ball on third and 12? You know, or whatever the case is. I I think I liked what I saw from Campanelli's play calling. Hopefully we'll see that kind of transfer to this weekend's game against Minnesota. Yeah, quick note on uh, Sam Brown, by the way. Sure. I just had a moment of immense confusion because I was looking at his bio, and it said that he was playing at LaSalle College. And I was like, wait, he's a freshman, right? Like, right. I, didn't, I don't remember from JUCO. And I was just, while you were talking, DA, I just found out LaSalle College is actually a high school. So <laughs> wait, that's, the, that's the single most ridiculous name for a high school I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, <laughs> Sam Brown, anyway, Sam Brown, 28 carries is ridiculous. But for I think a freshman it, it and then 104 yards. It oh. needs to happen because, as we just said with Noah Vedral and the quarterback play, this is not quarterback play on the C.J. Stroud level, obviously. like We need to rely on a run game and, as Greg Schiano says, you know, repeatedly complimentary football. And to, and to have complimentary football with this Rutgers team, you have to be able to run the ball on the ground. And Sam Brown's been able to do that. I will note real quick, he did have a foot injury after the game. Okay. And as we'll okay. see, I don't know if uh, it's included in the audio that Rada played with Shiano, but uh, Shiano did say that he's going to be okay after the fact. He said that, "quote We're gonna we we're going to be okay there." So okay, because yeah, I was wondering why uh, Manungai and Salam were kind of out there at the end of the game, getting a yeah. lot of carries. The, the LaSalle College High School uh, 
uh, <laughs> alumni is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, the one thing now that I think about it, the I'm one serious, thing. Though, that's what that's what it says. LaSalle College. I believe you. I believe you. And I think he also played basketball there too. So he's an that, athletic kid. That's what it said. Yeah. I mean, uh, it could just be the college, the high school is you know prep school or something. Yeah, prep of some kind. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I've seen I've seen things like that. I mean, there's a. I mean, if you look all the way in New York City, you have uh, Yeshiva University and then Yeshiva University High School. So ah, I see. It, it, it fits. It could be one of those. The one thing I will say about Campanelli's play calling that, that I think about it, the one thing that I kind of disagreed with or wasn't a huge fan of was the rollout plays with Vedral. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this while watching it, but every time they would roll out with Vedral to the right, they would have Langan down near the line of scrimmage, and they'd have maybe a receiver kind of five, six yards behind him, almost like a two-option type play. And Indiana would just sniff it out every time, and Vedral would have a guy right in his mug every single time he'd just roll out to the right. And the problem I have with it is, why is Langan only at the line of scrimmage? Like, every time they threw that pass, Langan would just get tackled for a gain of one. I feel like that should be pushed back farther. Even though it might be a little bit of a harder throw for Vedral, I mean, if your point, if the point of that play is to gain yards through the air, throwing it at the line of scrimmage is just like running a halfback dive and getting a yard. I mean, there's no difference for me, at least. So that's the one thing I think they need to change. Uh, just have Langan run farther back. Make that, like, three, four yards into the... You know, past the line of scrimmage, so that way it's you cut the deficit in half, trying to move the chains. That's the one thing I noticed that I was not a fan of. Um, the only one thing I will say is I'm not sure if you two were aware of this, but the win on Saturday was the first home Big Ten win for Rutgers since 2017. Yep, first one of the 2020s decade. Wow. Yeah, that is. Uh... So I think the narrative that they're a good road team is true. I mean, they've gotten road wins in the Big Ten. They just haven't gotten a home Big Ten win in five years. Well, their next Big Ten uh, home game is going to be a struggle in two weeks against uh, Michigan. Michigan. 7.30 start time. 7.30 start time. If any Big Big Ten schedule maker is out there, thank you very much (laughs) as a marketing intern. Thank you very much. We could thank Michigan for being ranked four and all their fans probably drawing half of the ratings on Big Ten Network. Uh, for for getting yeah. that scheduled to seven. Yeah, that's a Big Ten Network game. I was pretty surprised. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that as well. When I heard seven thirty, and then I heard Big Ten Network, I was like, if it was seven thirty, I was thinking at least FS one. But you know, yeah. I guess uh, I guess Big Ten Network they want the they want their Wolverines, and they see Rutgers <laughs> as a great they, they see Rutgers as a great game for that. Hey, so, Jack, hey. I think it was you that mentioned it in the chat. The last two times the Rutgers and Michigan have played each other. It's been a one-score game. That was not me, but yes, that is right. I, I thought it was. My, my, <laughs> my apologies to whoever said that in the WRSU sports group. Who, it's probably who Dennis, because Dennis gets, has a habit of uh, getting looked me, over uh, by people. See, yeah. <laughs> hey, street. I saw him today. <laughs> DA saw him yeah, today. Yeah, you acknowledged him. You checked the chat. I saw him today. Check the chat. Check the chat. Um, but what, Mo, what was it that you said? From the chat, maybe I remember. Um, someone pointed out that the last. Oh, sorry, it was Chris. Chris Taconis said it. Chris Taconis, okay. Mm-hmm. Said that the last two games have been one-score games, unlike the uh, the two previous Friday night light games or Saturday night light games, excuse me, with fans in the stadium in uh, in Piscataway oh, when uh, we lost by a collective uh, hundred. Was it uh, hundred twenty to nothing? Wait, which game are we referring to now? Yeah, I'm game confused. I'm confused to? now, Mo. I'm talking about Michigan. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, okay. I got sidetracked. Gotcha. I will say though that the atmosphere um, as the game went on on Saturday got a lot better. Like right before the game started, it was not gonna lie, it was not there was not a lot of people there. But no. as the game as the game wore on and the game actually was good, like I mean it was a, it was a beautiful day outside, so yeah. like, it was great for people to be there. And uh, I think 
I think by the end of the game, especially when that pick six happened, I mean, crowd was roaring. Yeah, and, and it was homecoming too. So usually you draw yeah. a bit of a crowd Great for way those to close games. Homecoming weekend. Um, and the thing is too, when you're in these games, kind of like the Nebraska game as well. When you're in these games until the very last minute of the football game, the fans stay. I mean, we're used to seeing Big Ten games for Rutgers where they're down multiple scores in the fourth quarter and people are just like, well, this is it. Students leave, fans leave, right? I mean, everyone leaves. And in the last two games Rutgers has played at home, it has come down to the final minutes of the game. Everyone stays. And I think that's a big factor for this team going forward. If they can keep people in the building late into football games, they, I mean, we saw we saw, we saw it on Saturday. How many false starts did Indiana have? They had a ton. I mean, the fans being there are the is the biggest presence. You, you, you commit... False start penalties for the other team that helps out your defense yeah. tremendously. Fans can make a huge difference. Yeah, as I mean, we all know. I uh, I mean, if you think back, you know, pivoting to Rutgers basketball for a second, no pun intended. You know, I mean, thinking back to the Penn State game last year, where in the first half Penn State had like four or five shot clock violations because they couldn't hear each other. Yeah, and exactly, and it's a little bit easier for them, smaller place, and they've been good. They fill the place up. Trap is already doing, baby. Exactly. But to your point, I mean, it, it, if you keep people the in the building, the fans can make all the difference. Yeah. And so we hope. I mean, you're going to get a big draw for this Michigan game. You're going to get a lot of Michigan fans too, which is the thing. They they travel well, and there's a lot of Michigan alum in New Jersey. Problem is, if this game is over at halftime, the place is going to start to fizzle out. And now it's a little different because, listen, Michigan's a top-four ranked team. Do I expect Rutgers to be competitive with them through three quarters of football? I don't know. It it really just depends, I think, how well this defense plays because we all know the limitations this offense has. And if the defense can keep them in the game— you know, it, it could be one of those games where it's thirteen to nothing or thirteen to three in like the third quarter or halftime, right? Yeah. I think it all depends on how the defense decides to show up in these games. Absolutely, but look, we can uh, we can circle back next week and talk about Minnesota, right. talk about, about Michigan. Michigan. Let's uh, let's move on to next week's game against Minnesota. Okay, uh, two thirty kickoff. It's at Minnesota. I've, I'm hearing it's going to be cold. Some Big Ten football weather Ooh. up in Minnesota. Uh, the only reason why I know that is because Gideon texted me today, and he said uh, to tell Carm and myself, and he told me to tell Carm uh, to pack warm clothing because we will be placed outside uh, to call this game. I don't know what Gideon's definition of cold. I'm looking at <laughs> Minneapolis's weather right now. I thought I was going to see like 40 degrees. I mean, I lost it. 61 degrees is a high. <laughs> I don't know. Ask Giddy. That's what that's what Jimmy Gill I mean, told Giddy. Uh, maybe he was think maybe he was thinking he was talking about like the Lakers when you're when they're shooting the basketball cuz I know you're going to be in <laughs> attendance for one of those games. I mean, dude, I hope you don't get like hit by a stray basketball like going into the stands when a Laker tries to shoot it. So, <laughs> I, I really hope. Well, I tell you what, I'm looking at the the weather now. The game will start at 1:30 their time. The weather is supposed to be uh very odd start time by the way. It is very odd. It's going to be like around f- like low 50s when the game starts, and then it'll get warmer as it progresses. All right. I mean, so if you're you going to be outside. So we're outside calling the game, so too. You, so you're going to want a hoodie. If you're outside all that time and you're not moving around, I'd, I'd probably pack like a light coat. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, that's what we're going to be doing, I believe. We're going to yeah. be outside. That's what we were told. So Yeah, and hey, uh, look, Dill, have you uh, given any thought to what class you're going to attend? You're going to audit at uh – See, that's, that's the bummer because our flight flies in at, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon or evening oh. on Friday. How long and is then the we flight? have – what happened? How long is the flight? 
Um, I don't, That's one of the I'm going to say a little over two. One of the farther Big Ten schools. I'm going to say maybe like two and a half, three. It um, was like how it was like what hour fifty to Indy, so and Min- Minneapolis is a lot farther. Yeah, I'll, I'll say probably three, three maybe a little I, over I think three is a safe guess. Three is a safe guess. Um, According to uh, to my quick research, it's about three hours ten minutes. Okay, so we'll call it not we'll bad. Call it three three and a quarter. And uh, there's so worse again, we don't. Out there. There's worth the flight, and we don't, I don't think it's connecting flight, which is nice. So we, that's good. we go right in. That's good. That's but good. That's we're good. landing at like five, and then we have the Lakers T Wolves game. So there's like no time to go to class. Then the game Saturday, we leave Sunday morning. They'll build, they'll build the hotel for you out of bricks. <laughs> It, it it was different for Dennis and I when we were in Columbus because our flight was in the morning on Friday, so we got mm. in at like the afternoon. So there were still uh, Friday afternoon yeah. classes. So yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, well, at this rate, it looks like I'm gonna be going to Champagne this spring, so maybe I'll see something there. <laughs> well, listen, we'll talk about fantasy later on in the show. My team is making one hell of a turnaround. I'll tell you that. Uh, just a little professional tease there for our audience of the fantasy segment, but. We'll talk about this Minnesota game real quick uh, for Rutgers. Again, 2.30 kickoff this Saturday. ESPN's giving Rutgers an 11% chance to win. Um, 10 or more. See, here's the thing about Minnesota that's really, really interesting for me. They start out the year 4-0. They were ranked, I believe, 18th or 19th this year after their big win against Michigan State in East Lansing, 34-7 in Week 4. Since then, they've lost three straight. Uh, at home against Purdue, twenty to ten. Then on the road to, to Illinois, twenty six to fourteen. Which I think Illinois is in the top twenty five. Yeah, they're ranked seventeenth this year. They're six and one, kind of like my New York Football Giants. So Illinois six and one. So you look at that, and it's a home game for Illinois. It's almost like they should have won that game if you're the Fighting Illini. So Minnesota loses that game, and then this past week at Penn State, the whiteout game. Minnesota gets tranced 45-17, to and to their credit, Tanner Morgan, their starting quarterback, their journeyman, the sixth-year, sixth-year, yeah, I'm not kidding, sixth-year wow. quarterback mean, at Minnesota no did not play with a concussion injury against Penn State. So Is it going to be the game, battle of the sixth-year six seniors? <laughs> it might, it, I think it will be, depending on his uh, on if he can play against Rutgers on Saturday. I don't know, but he didn't play See against the, Penn State. Uh, hmm. Got to check on the concussion protocol. I can't, even, I can't even imagine being a road team going into that game. The, 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 the whiteout, the whiteout game. Oh, it's got to be brutal. Unless you're like Ohio State or Michigan on a on a good year, like you have no chance in my opinion no, of winning that game. Like, imagine, imagine if we were, imagine if we had like a whole week to talk about like Rutgers going into the whiteout game, which I'm actually surprised has not happened yet. Because like I feel like it would be like a good a good game to like for Penn State to schedule. Because the last thing you want to do is lose on the whiteout game, right? And like for. And I don't think I don't think I'm not I'm trying to be I'm being a hater here, but like Rutgers football hasn't been that good <laughs> over the past couple of years. So like I feel like yeah. I feel like Rut- Rutgers would should have had like a Penn State whiteout game. But hey, um, yeah, that would that would be pretty funny. But yeah, Minnesota, I don't know how you win on a whiteout game unless you're Ohio State or Michigan. And yeah, I mean yeah. I think they're going to want to come back and really I get mean, a win on maybe this. Maybe don't uh, maybe don't dump on home teams losing their uh, their whiteout games after we lost our blackout game. Just saying. I tell you what, uh, you you mentioned uh, the, the whiteout games. I remember as a fan uh, in tw- 2015, Rutgers in their second year in the Big Ten, they take the road trip up to Penn State, and it was a whiteout game. Oh, that was the whiteout game. That in was a whiteout game in 2015. Oh wow! And I went there as a fan with my family. Wow. This was in September 
uh, of 2015. So it was like their third game, uh, and they're one and one heading into it. They lose 28 to three. It was not fun. That was back when we were like semi decent, though, right? Oh yeah, no, and that's why we got the game because the yeah. year before, I think, was the the year before was our first year in the Big Ten uh, in which we lost to Penn State by like three points. At home. We were a good team. Well, Kyle Flood was out by then, I believe. 2015. I think that was the year he went out. Uh, I'm not sure if he was the coach. I think he was still the coach at that point. When did Kyle Flood get canned? <laughs> I, I think it was still... I think he was still the coach. Just 2012 to 2015. This was the year so... right after I think Gary Nova left the program. Or like I think he graduated. Which was the other thing. We had Chris Laviano as quarterback and he wasn't too good. Um, hmm. You want to hear a name from the past? Christian Hackenberg was the quarterback for Penn State back then. <laughs> wow. September 16, 2015, the university-led investigation turned flood conduct, blah, blah, blah. Suspended of three games. So this was the first game after Kyle Flood got suspended slash fired. Wait, so that was a three-game suspension? It's, there, that's what it says. Did he, did he get fired after the season then? It doesn't say anything okay. about him. So He must have resigned. He must have resigned. Okay, then... Well, but then, it okay, says September sixteenth, uh, they suspended him. Okay. Yeah. This was that was three days before this game. So. Yeah. It says nine nineteen fifteen. Anyway. Yeah. I, anyway. So that 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 was a um, that was the last. So Rutgers did have a whiteout game up at Penn State. They were the opponent in that game. Got trounced. But I, I just remember going up there watching it, and it was uh, I tell you what, the, the the atmosphere is something to see. If you if you ever get a chance to go to a whiteout game for Penn State, that's what I really want to. I really no, that want would be to. amazing to go to. Now, the one thing I will say is, I know you mentioned that Penn State wants to win the whiteout game, but don't you think they're a little bit like? Don't you think they're dodging a little bit scheduling that game against Minnesota instead of Ohio State, who they host this week? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're dodging. They the last oh, time I remember they had a whiteout against Ohio State, they either won it or they lost by like a field goal or a touchdown. I mean, they're a, cl- a close game. Back yeah, when Trace absolutely. McSorley was quarterback for them, uh, but I, I think they're dodging a little bit. They they, they didn't want to face C.J. Stroud and that team. They wanted to beat up, banged up Minnesota team. Yeah, I mean, like Jack whatever. said, you want to give yourself a competitive game, but a game you have a good chance to win in the whiteout. And now they're going to get smoked on big noon kickoff this Saturday. So. At the same at the same time, though, like you know, we scheduled the blackout game against Nebraska. Like, yeah, would you want like I mean, the blackout game was a pretty big deal for us. Like. Because, you know, it's the blackout game. Like, there's a lot of things. There was Title IX at halftime. Like, all that stuff. Would you really want, like, that to be Ohio State where you know you're going to lose by, like, 55 points? Like, If we were as good as Penn State's program has been, I'd say yes. True. We're not, True. We're not as good as Penn State. True. And even if Penn State is having a down year, I think they can still keep things close with Ohio State. I think they, you know, they're just a couple of superstars away on that team from being able to beat them. Like, that one year when they had... Uh, Saquon, where he was really going off for them, I believe they mm. either beat him on the road or they, they they lost by a couple of points in Columbus. I mean that that was a good football team. Rutgers has never been at to that level yeah. yet. Um, so for Rutgers, you know, scheduling those games against Nebraska and Iowa are those are the winnable games on their schedule in the Big Ten that are still like um, interesting Indiana. matchups. And Indiana could have been one too, but they made it homecoming. With homecoming, you want to win on homecoming, so they made that Indiana. Because that was the easiest Big Ten team on their schedule this year. True. Um, Absolutely. So, for Minnesota, again, won the first four games, have lost three straight. Their sixth-year quarterback, Tanner Morgan, has not played since the first couple of plays in that Illinois game a couple of weeks ago. He got hurt in that game, did not play against Penn State with a concussion. So, 
We do not know his status for this Saturday. I'd have to lean towards he'll play just because usually concussions don't last that long for a guy to be out two weeks, but we'll see how they deal with that. So it's interesting. Minnesota started off 4-0. They were ranked 18th, and now they've lost three in a row unranked, and we'll see if they have their journeyman quarterback. But for Rutgers, we've seen Noah Vedro play a full game, so we know that he'll be good to go against Minnesota to play the entirety of the game, so that's not a question now. Again, I think it's similar to that Michigan game. It's all about how the defense plays, right? I mean, if the defense can keep Rutgers in this game and keep it 10-3 or, you know, 13-10, something like that, and keep keep it competitive. keep it keep it low, keep it competitive, I, I think this offense can eventually go down the field and put together a big touchdown drive. They did it this past week. Uh, you but just you kind of have to defense, play the— But you need the defense to keep in the game to allow that. Well, yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying. You need I, to, you need to keep it low. I completely agree. And, uh, you know, if it's 20 to nothing at halftime, 20 to 3 at halftime, it's a little bit tougher for the Rutgers offense to go down and, you know, score you 17 unanswered when they when they haven't gone over 20 since this past week. It, they, they had scored 13, 16, 10, 10. I mean, it, it's an offense that struggled. And granted, that was with Evan Simon at the helm. We'll see what, what Vedral can continue to do with this offense. But even even this game against Indiana, take away the Braswell pick six, it's still 17 points. So really the offense hasn't put together more than 20 points since the Wagner game. So we'll see what they can do. And Minnesota's defense, I really don't know what to make of them right now. They The first four weeks they played awesome. They gave up uh, 20, 24 points in four games. That's pretty good. But then since then they've given up 20, 26, and 45. So I, I, I really don't know how to gauge this Minnesota team and I think the biggest thing is whether or not Tanner Morgan plays for them. I think if he doesn't play, Rutgers has a really good chance to keep this close and win. If he does play, it'll be just that it'll be that much harder for this defense. You're going up against a guy who's been in this league for six years, playing at a high level almost every year. And back in 2019, when Minnesota went 11 and two, this is a guy who threw 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So he's a very good quarterback when given a good offensive system with some good players. So we'll see. Uh, I believe we have the Greg Schiano press conference uh, all ready to go, so we will let we Greg take indeed. it away. Here's Greg Schiano at his press conference earlier this afternoon. I'll try to help you whatever way I can. Um, obviously, a big game going on the road to Minnesota. Um, we got a lot of work to do before we we're ready to go play that game. So uh, I think everybody's knows that, and everybody's locked in on doing it. So. It'll be how we prepare this week that'll it'll be the difference. Questions? Um, what did you just think of the offensive changes you guys made and your overall assessment of the quarterback play last week? Well, look, I thought that we prepared very hard over the two weeks. Certainly you can't you know, flip things upside down uh, in two weeks' time. So I think what we'll do is continue to grow. Um, the quarterback position, you know, it's not like – we, we discovered something. We finally had our quarterbacks all able to play on the same day. Um, the way it played out, we didn't know exactly how it was going to go. I mean, for that game, Noel was the, was the starter, Gavin was the backup, and Evan was the next guy in. Um, each game is going to be different depending on our preparation, on our opponent, our matchup, and uh, until we figure out exactly how we want to go. Now you say, well, it's, you know, we're, you're on your eighth game. Uh, as I told you at the beginning of the year, if, if it works itself out, that's great. And if it doesn't, we have to keep 
tweaking it until we figure it out. So we're working on it. Um, but again, last week was the first time we had all three guys. So it's really the first week that that it was normal, so to speak. PJ worked on your staff here and in Tampa. Um, just talk about your relationship and what it's going to be like coaching against him. Yeah, not just PJ. Uh, most of the staff, you know, Kirk Shiraka is over there. Um, Joe Rossi's over there. Uh, you know, there's there's so many guys that have Rutgers connections that are on PJ's staff, and I love that. Uh, I'm proud, really, really proud of the job PJ's done. You mentioned he was here at Rutgers with us, and then he was at Tampa as well, and has done a you know always did a great job. I knew, heck, probably a day into his time here, that he was going to be a head coach, and I could tell you countless stories of what a big difference he made in our program. Uh, both here and at Tampa. So he's an excellent coach, and all the success he has had, he deserves because he works incredibly hard. He's incredibly driven, yet I think is a man that, that, that has a big heart and understands people. So, um, yeah, I can't be more proud of him. But now we have to compete, right? So it's, you know, it's kind of like the first week of the season when we went and played Jeff at Boston College, and so many of those coaches had Rutgers ties. Um, but I'm proud of all those guys. But... When it's time to compete, it's time to compete, and I know he'll be the same. And then after the game, we'll we'll hug it out and keep moving forward and help each other because he does. He helps me, uh, and I try to help him whenever we can. Uh, but obviously, not the week we're playing him. What do you see in that team, especially with their running back Ibrahim um, and the, the challenge that he can present? Yeah, I think you know Kirk Shiraka does a great job with that offense, and he you know he was there when they built it up, and then he left, but he's back now, and. Uh, I think Kirk knows exactly how to use back like that and how to tie it into the RPO game. I mean, everything is very, very well coordinated. Um, so it'll be a big challenge. The back, is, you know, he's really special. He can stick a foot in the ground and change direction as good as anybody in the country. And he's strong. So uh, tackling this guy is going to be a challenge for sure. Any update on Sam, how his, how his lower extremities, as you put it, is? And, and Keston play, is, what's his status okay start with Sam you know Sam has a couple more things to do with the doctors but I think we're going to be okay there uh, Kess had an issue um, he did some stuff last night so we'll see I think uh, it'll be kind of a play it by ear as we go through the week with Kess um, but yeah I'm you know leave all that stuff up to the doctors but I'm encouraged talked before the season about how with the offensive line it was going to have to be a steady climb throughout the season. Did you are you kind of seeing the improvements at this point that you hope to see? Yeah, we're getting better. You know, as I've said all along, I think there's been a steady progress, but not where we need to be. I mean, we were so far away that uh, progress is good, but we just got to keep getting better. And that really is the whole team. You know, what I when I sat here two weeks ago after the Nebraska game was I told them we just need to get better, guys. You know, you got to put all the noise out of your mind and just focus on getting better. And we got a little bit better, and it was good enough to win Saturday. Now we have to get better. And we have some practice days to do it and some meetings. And how we meet, how we practice, how we watch film, that's going to determine how much better we get. That's all we can control. Will that be good enough, you know, to go out and win the game at, at Minnesota? That's why you play the game. We'll figure that out. But uh, it goes for our whole program. Are there any players you're looking at stepping up to stop the run, you know, a guy like Christian Izian or anybody specifically going to be doing anything different this week to, you know, compensate for how good Minnesota is running the ball? 
Well, if there was, I couldn't tell you right now because I'd be looking at the camera telling Minnesota. But, look, we have to do some things. Obviously, they're very good uh, at running the football, and he's very good. But uh, I think it's going to take 11 guys. I think it's going to take great swarm, you know, great eye discipline, and really, really fine tackling to, to be able to do it. Happens. Um, Christian Broswell has obviously been through a lot since he joined the program. What's it been like to see him be this productive and have this much of an impact on the defense this year? Uh, it's, it's really great, to tell you the truth, because you hit it on the head. He has had such bad luck, whatever you want to call it. My heart was, you know, going out to him because he'd worked. He worked so hard to recover from the knee surgery, and then some other things got him. And I was just like, this guy, he's, he's really got the short end of the stick. But uh, as of late, he's really been productive. He's playing at a high level. And uh, certainly, you know, that interception for the touchdown was a, a deciding play in the game. So couldn't be more happy. And he's a great kid, too. He's not a kid, a great young man, great person. Um, like a lot of our guys. But, you know, I've been very, very pleased to have him in our program. Sean Ryan had a few big catches. Is that what you saw out of him when you got him from the portal? And is that what you kind of expected from him? It is. Um, I, I think that um, he's a bigger guy. You know, we don't really have very many of those guys. So, you know, when you're talking about competing for a 50-50 ball, you know, well, why has it got to be 50-50, right? If you, if you give him a chance, the receiver clearly has the advantage. Uh, and he's got really strong hands. He's got a good frame, and he can go up and, and get the football. And he also has good hands when he's running routes, inward-breaking routes, which, you know, you're going to get hit on. So I, I think he has a chance uh, to really – I think he's got a feel for what we're doing. I think we've learned what he's best at. So I think he's got a chance to do this here at the, in the back half of the season. Defensively, you guys rank in the top 10 in a lot of categories, but I mean, a majority of that side of the ball has multiple years of eligibility remaining, a lot of underclassmen. How much room for, of growth do you see in that unit? How much better can, can they get? Oh, I think we can continue to get a lot better. Yeah, and I think depth can, we can strengthen our depth as we get better. So, you know, every Sunday night we're out there with the younger players just working on technique and then going and playing the game of football because that's the way you get better at playing. Uh, and really, it's guys who don't play on Saturday. So, I mean, Gavin was out there, did a tremendous job. And, you know, I've talked to you guys about Gavin uh, after the game. He was really a lot better from one Thursday to the next. And now the challenge is, can we do that again? And uh, last night he did an excellent job. So I'm excited about his growth, you know, and that's the whole football team. And when we talk about the defense, uh, you know, there's some older guys up there, you know, the AZs and the Christianisians and the Fetties, but then there's a whole bunch of young players that are making plays. So uh, I'm right there with you. We just need to keep getting better. I know it sounds so cliche, but you're either getting better or you're getting worse. That's the fact. You know, nobody stays the same. So we have to keep pushing each other to get better. What would you say, obviously, defensive quarter Joe Harris-Simiak going back to his former school as well. Um, what, what's your assessment about the job he's done to this point? Uh, Joe's done an excellent job. Joe's an excellent football coach. He's a, he's a really fine communicator and connector with the players. Uh, I could say that for the whole defensive staff, though. I really have been impressed the way that they have come together, uh, the way that they've connected with our guys, the level of detail that they've coached with. Yeah, I'm very pleased, 
very, very pleased with the way those guys work together and the way that they've bonded with the players. And, um, you know, I just look forward to see that continue to grow because a lot of those players are young guys. I know you emphasize special teams a lot. What's it been like coaching without an actual coordinator as one of the 10 assistants? Uh, you know, we all kind of pitch in. I kind of try to head it off because I don't want to distract from anybody else's job in the offense or the defense. We have some support staff that help us, uh, you know, with different technical things, uh, breakdowns and stuff. Um, certainly uh, after a day like Saturday where you – you give up a touchdown return and then you have one called back. I, you know, it's not very fun. Uh, special teams has always been a big part of what we do here, and we've been fortunate to do it well. Saturday was not our finest effort, so uh, certainly we have a chip on our shoulder as a special teams unit that we need to play better uh, for sure because that isn't even close to being good enough. Thanks, guys. So that was Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano earlier this afternoon about Rutgers football. A couple of highlights there with Sam Brown and his injury um, updates and the upcoming game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We're going to step aside for a quick break. Up next is Locks of the Week. So if you are an avid gambler, I suggest you stick around as we will give you our betting advice for tonight and this upcoming week. You're listening to The Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Welcome back to the Monday crew. Moshe Golubchik, Dylan Allen, Jack Visea. Giddy Fox not with us tonight as he attends the Devils game. And uh, right now we're going to break down uh, some picks for our locks of the week. Maybe include some hockey in there. We'll see what, uh, we'll just have to see what happens. So, uh, DA, what do you got for us? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm gonna take a look at my FanDuel app right now and see if anything kind of sticks out to me. We'll go to the, we'll go to the Monday night game tonight. I, it's a gross game. No one wants it to is talk a about gross this game. game. No, no one wants to talk about this game. It's the Bears at New England tonight, and New England. Mac Jones back, eight and a half point favorites. I, this game just screams like like fifteen to three Patriots. It, that's just like the the score I envision no, I for a that. game like this. I can um, see that. Just an odd score. Anyway, Bill Belichick. Mac Jones back. We'll see how he does coming off that injury. Uh, I believe it was a leg injury of some sort. Um, uh, I thought it was a back injury for Mac Jones. I, I think I think you're right. I I don't follow Mac Jones enough to know that. But ankle injury for Mac Jones. <laughs> well, okay. I guess oh, no, the I back injury was earlier in the season. Excuse me. Well, I'm not he, even a Patriots fan. I know that. See, I I had the right idea. Okay, so he's got a lingering back issue, and now he's coming off an ankle injury. Uh, we'll see how he does. <clears throat> Man, this game is just yeah. so gross. But the like, Bears 0-3 on the road. Bears 0-3 on the road. I'm not betting a winner. I'm betting the spread. Um, I So you got minus 8.5 for New England. Which way are you looking? I'm going to lean towards the Chicago Bears. This is a game where I think most fans are thinking, Mac Jones back, the Bears suck. This is a game where the New England blows them out of the water. right? I, I don't know. I, I just think Mac Jones might struggle his first game back off the injury. Justin Fields, I'm not a huge fan of him. I think Chicago's defense is okay. I think New England's defense is pretty good. I just I envision this game being low scoring. So you know what? I'm gonna take the under 39 and a half. I'm gonna take the under, not the spread. The under. I don't okay. care who covers this spread. All I know is it's going to be like 24 to 10 
or 20 to 13. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I'm going to take the under 39 and a half. That's my pick tonight. I want to say real quick, I w- this is a time in the show where I wish we had a visual component because this is the NFL on primetime games this year. On scheduling primetime <laughs> Tony games. Snell against the Jazz in 2017, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, zero steals in 28 minutes. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. They, I mean, what the hell are they thinking scheduling the Broncos like five primetime games? I mean, I understand yeah. they were they were supposed to be very good, but and can't they flex these games? Like, can't they move them around? You can't you can't move them around to separate days. That's ah, where you, that's where you get that. in trouble also, because the days are the game days are the game days unless you're living in 2020. Yeah. Also, I know I gotcha. you can't. I, I know this you can't change because of everything that goes into it. But come on, I you gotta feel bad for the pe- for the folks in London who get Broncos Jags this Sunday. It, you, we pro- NFL probably <gasps> NFL probably thought that they were giving themselves a good game. Yeah, I mean Trevor Lawrence and Russell Wilson, but that hasn't been working. If Russell Wilson, if plays. Russell Wilson can play, that game's in London. That game's in London. Oh yeah. God! We're Man, back the to Broncos London? are going through it because Nathaniel Hackett and them have had a rough season. Uh, they had a rough Hackett. loss to the Jets last week, and now they got to go on a plane. I mean, Denver's not that not that close to London either. Okay, like, but Nathaniel... It's not like we're going from East Rutherford over to London or something like this. Is yeah. Nathaniel... I mean, even even like New York to London is a long ways to go. So I mean, hey, Nathaniel Hackett. That's why Nathaniel Hackett gets paid five million bucks to score ten points a game. Right, but Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> butchered it week one and hasn't been able to get out of his own way since. So yeah. who's up next? Again, my uh, my picks okay. under 39 and a I half. have I have two that I'm looking at right now and much to my much to my happiness the NBA is back and it's been great to see all the teams be back except for the Lakers. Um it's been <laughs> but it, um I'm looking at these lines for tonight and there's two that jump out to me. First off, the Minnesota Timberwolves are out in the beautiful city of Minneapolis where DA is going to be oh, very nice. testing or uh, seeing how it actually is in a couple days. They are out there and the Minnesota Timberwolves are favored by minus eight and a half in this game. I'm picking the Spurs to cover that. I think the Spurs were at plus eight and a half are able to go back because I think the Spurs are playing really well right now. Like yeah. it's been the it's been the story of like you know the teams that were predicted to be very bad this year playing really well. The Jazz are two and a half point favors tonight, and uh, the Spurs have been playing really well as well, even though they're supposed to be terrible in there. Eight and a half underdogs, so I'm picking the Spurs in that one to cover that and win that game because I think you all you think they win too. I think they're wow, going to win. Wow, uh, they I, are they are two and zero on the road this year. They're two and zero on the road, and I believe I have a lot of guys in the Spurs on my fantasy team too. So Spurs, Spurs, Spurs. What's their they're two and one right now, and they got Greg Popovich and so. both wins on the road. And then the other one that I'm kind of shocked about: the zero and three Philadelphia 76ers are hosting. The Indiana Pacers tonight and rookie rookie uh, Benedict Matherin, who has been coming off the bench but absolutely destroying people. He had like 26 and 27 points over the last two games. He's been playing really well. Pacers are a team like another. The thing is with like the NBA is like these young plucky teams. Like they just find a way to always stay in games and really draw games out to the end. I mean, it it's really really the case all the time with the NBA. So they the Sixers are 12 and a half point favorites. Mm. I'm sorry, 12-point favorites. I think that's way too high. I think the Pacers also cover that. Maybe they don't win. Maybe they do. I'd probably lean towards the Sixers picking up their first win of the year, but I think 12 points is astronomical for the way the Sixers have been playing and the fact that you know NBA games can go down to the wire. So I like both those picks. <laughs> well, which right. one would you All lean right. to, though? Which one would I prefer to bet? Yeah. Um, 
I'd probably say the Pacers because I think the Spurs, as, I good, agree. As, as good as they've been playing, based off what you're saying, they shouldn't be a good team. At least the Pacers can be, uh, like, decent. Benedict Mathurin, I mean, that guy's awesome. You mentioned his numbers. Playing incredible. First-round pick, and they still have some, some decent players on the team. Halliburton's proven to be a good, mm-hmm. a good player. Um, Buddy Heald's still over there. So they, hey, look, they have they have some decent guys. I think I'd probably lean towards them at plus twelve and a half. That's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. And I, I I agree with you. I think Philly gets their first win tonight. It's at home as well in in Philadelphia. Um, it would be a shame if they continue to lose because the city of Philadelphia has just been winning at like every sport. Yeah, I think the it's Philadelphia. Actually, it's actually it's actually disgusting. It is disgusting. It's disgusting. So it'd be a disappointment to Philadelphia fans if their basketball team, which is probably. If you had to, if you if you asked Philly's fan or a Philadelphia fan before, um, you know before the playoffs or anything like that with baseball, they probably would have ranked the Sixers as the first or second team overall to do to do well in Philadelphia. They'd probably have the it'd be between the 76ers and the Eagles, and I think they'd put the Phillies third and the Flyers fourth, and the Phillies in the World Series, Eagles six and zero. Coming off a of bye week, and the Sixers 0-3. Just a word out to the Pacers. If you guys want to compete this year, we have a perfectly good point guard for you guys. Russell Westbrook. Yes, sir. He's awesome. You can, you can take him. I, I We will offer it to you. I'm very happy the NBA's back. I'm not happy the Lakers are back. but And we could talk about them <laughs> later on in the show. I know you probably have some words for them. Mo. I, I've already spoken, spoken those into the existence. So. There you go. Fair enough. People know <laughs> how I feel about the Lakers. So, Mo, last but not least, All it's right. your turn. <clears throat> so, I'm going to swing it back to Monday Night Football. Okay. Um, and you uh, you pivoted away from this, but I'm going to go back to that uh, to that eight and a half point spread favoring okay. the Patriots. Okay. Now, you said uh, you said you didn't. You indicated that you thought that the Bears were going to cover this. If I were to pick one, I'd if say the Bears cover it. it. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm going to say they don't. I okay. know Mac Jones coming back from injury, but I think you know. Bill Belichick finds a way, frankly. I don't like him, but he finds a way. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think the Bears cover that. There's no doubt the Patriots have the better roster. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. The problem with it's more of an issue in terms of I just don't want to bet on either team because I just don't think either of them are any good. I think my money's better spent betting on both crap teams to play like a crap team. And that's why I kind of went with the under because I'm just thinking both teams will play. It'll be a defensive game. Both teams will just struggle offensively. And the way both teams have been playing all year, betting the under would kind of reflect that for me at least. Instead of trying yeah. to pick who covers the eight points because it's a big spread. And that's why it kind of makes me second guess the Patriots because it's a lot of points to cover. Yeah. So I'm just, I'd rather err on the side of caution yeah. and just say, you know what? Both of these teams that stink offensively, they're just not going to score points. Yeah. Bet the under. And by the way, I just I was looking into something because I sometimes find these things funny. Bill Belichick was almost old enough to drink when Matt Eberflus was born. And Matt Eberflus is, is the, the head coach, head coach of the Bears, Chicago right? Bears. So there you go. He's they in, are 19 been, years apart. He's been there for a while out in New England. Or excuse me. No. No, more than 19. No, more than 19. Seven, what's 70 minus 51? It is 19. 19. It is 19. Oh, okay. I thought, I, for some reason, I thought it'd be more. Anyway, on that note, uh, we've given you our locks, and uh, we'll let you think them over, see if you want to follow our advice. While you do that, we're going to step aside, and uh, we'll talk about the NFL a little bit more when we come back.